Chapter Seventeen of the Apostle of Alaska: The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. The first message. Finally, the great day came when Mr. Duncan, after eight months' assiduous study, had attained such knowledge of their language that he had been able to write out in Tsimshean the first message of the Christ to the savage heart. The Indians had but lately returned from their Ulakan fishing trip to the Nas River, when he was ready, for the first time, to address them in their own language. On Saturday morning, he sent word to the chiefs of the nine different tribes that he would like to address their people in their respective houses the next day, and asked if they would permit him to do so. The answer was favorable in every instance and it must have given him much encouragement to notice that not a canoe started out that Sunday morning from the settlement. Every Indian man, woman, and child was anxious to hear what the white chief had come to tell them. It was ten o'clock Sunday forenoon, the 13th day of June, A.D. 1858, when he started from the fort with his sermon in his pocket and accompanied by Claw, his language teacher the first house which he entered was that of nyashnawa the head chief of the kitlutsa tribe where he found an audience of about one hundred gathered to hear him it seems almost a dispensation of providence that of all the indian houses at that time located near fort simpson the only one of which any vestige now remains is that very house in which he by god's grace was first allowed to preach the gospel to the tsimsheans the framework of this house, as shown in the illustration on a nearby page, stands today at Fort Simpson, though its occupants and their descendants long since are gone. By actual measurement of the beams and posts now standing, it appears that this house was 55 feet by 65 feet, with a height from the ground to the lower edge of the cross beams of a little over 15 feet. The beams and posts are logs of nearly 3 feet in diameter. This was the first Indian assembly Mr. Duncan ever faced. No wonder that he quailed before the undertaking. It required a stout heart for anyone, with only his limited knowledge of a strange and difficult language, to dare lay before this waiting throng the precious gospel message. One word, improperly used, might produce an entirely wrong impression, one mispronounced, bringing ridicule on the messenger and the message but Mr. Duncan had a stout heart, and then he had, in addition thereto, the wonderful support of an Almighty Father, who did not allow him to yield to the temptation to read his sermon, sentence by sentence, to claw, and have him repeat it to the people. When he, at the last moment, fearing the effect of his faulty pronunciation, suggested this course to claw, the blanching of the latter's cheeks at once convinced him that things would be liable to go worse than, and with a silent prayer to God for help, he started in by asking the people to close the door. This brought an awe of stillness over the audience, which was heightened by Mr. Duncan's kneeling down for a few moments of silent prayer. He then gave them the first address they have ever heard from a white man in their own language. Fortunately, I am able to give, in English, a synopsis of this historical address, the original of which, in Tsimshean, is still kept in Mr. Duncan's safe at Metlakatla. He first introduced himself as a missionary from England, who had come from afar over the great seas with the specific object of giving to them the message of God from his book, which, if they would learn and obey it, would bless them in this life, 
and prepare them for the life to come he then reminded them that we do not live here always that the term of our life here is uncertain but though our bodies die our souls do not and proceeded god's book teaches us how we should live in this world and so be prepared for a future life in heaven with god it also teaches us about god that he is holy that he hates every evil way that all men and women are sinners and that our hearts are full of evil god made us to love him and follow his ways but the people have forsaken him and followed their own ways which are evil in his sight god's book tells us that god sees all we do knows all that is in our hearts and that when we die every one of us must stand before him to answer for our conduct on earth we cannot hide anything from god nor can we make ourselves good how then can we be saved from the punishment due to our sins and become good the answer to these great questions is given us in god's book and this is the gospel or good news which god has sent you i now urge you to listen to this gospel which is that god so loved and pitied mankind that he sent his only son jesus christ into the world to save us jesus christ suffered and died for our sins he is now in heaven to hear and answer our prayers he bids us put away our sinful ways and look to him to be saved if we obey he will pardon our sins make us holy and take us to live with him in heaven when we die i exhort you not to reject god's message of love reflect on how much god has done to save us put away your evil ways and learn god's ways one thing i ask you to do from this day forth which you can do and which will be pleasing to god refrain from all kind of work on sunday which is the lord's day and meet together on that day to learn god's will and pray to him i have a great deal more to tell you from god's book he has heard what i have told you today believe that god is longing to bless you and to save you the indians were all remarkably attentive when at the conclusion he asked them to kneel down they at once complied and while he offered up a prayer in english they preserved a great silence he then bade them good-bye and went to the house of the head chief of the tsimsheans legaic where everything was prepared a sail spread for mr duncan to stand upon and a mat placed on a box for him to sit upon about one hundred and fifty people had assembled who were by the chief admonished to behave themselves and listen respectfully to what he had to say a few people from the fort being present mr duncan first spoke shortly in english and thereupon repeated his address in tsimshian they all knelt in prayer and were very attentive as at the other place claw upon inquiry assured mr duncan that from their looks he knew that they understood him and felt it to be good after this he went to the other seven chiefs houses in succession and in each repeated his address to a congregation of all the way from fifty to two hundred souls in some of the places where he had an idea that the people did not understand or pay the attention he desired he repeated his address at one house he even repeated it twice when four o'clock came he had without getting any rest or luncheon preached in nine different houses to between eight and nine hundred indians that it was a great beginning of a great good to these people the following pages will show that he had made a good impression on the people was evident from the fact that the head chief legaic offered him the use of his house for a school 
which he informed them he intended to open at once for the children in the forenoon and for the adults in the afternoon the roll call showed twenty-six children present on the first day and the attendance increased right along still more satisfactory to the teacher was it to notice the attention and interest the scholars seemed to give to their work from the beginning the attendance in the afternoon some fifteen only was not so satisfactory it evidently took some courage for the grown people to go to school the spirit which mr duncan had recognized by not asking the people to hear his message except in their own chief's house soon made itself felt also with reference to the school one chief said to mr duncan you will have all the people to teach as soon as your own house is built this set him to thinking and as legaic when the salmon season came was going away he after a while concluded he had better close his school till he could get a school building erected on july eleventh mr duncan had finished and prepared a second address in tsimshian and proceeded to deliver it in the same way as on the first occasion of all the people present there was only one the chief quithray the head of the cannibal club who refused to kneel when he asked them to do so the angry scowl and the ugly muttering of this chief showed that the medicine men recognized in the new teaching the death knell to their nefarious practices and disgusting deviltry they undoubtedly commenced to feel already that a new light was coming over their people which would open their eyes to the falsehood and deceit that so long had been practised upon them and from which these same medicine men had so long managed to make an easy living during the summer months a goodly portion of the indians were away but enough remained to give mr duncan a lift with his school building several had undertaken to cut the logs and raft them over to the beach and now the logs were to be brought up the hill to the place where the school was to be located about the site where the methodist church now stands but this was not to be only a few logs had been brought to the location when an indian assisting in the work fainted and died undoubtedly from some heart trouble anyone knowing the indian superstition can appreciate the effect of this naturally any confidence with which mr duncan had inspired them would be shaken and they would be afraid to help any further in the work with a wisdom which seems to be of god and which never all through his life has forsaken him he immediately stopped the work and changed the site to a place whence it would not require such exertion to convey the logs but where on the other hand he put himself right in the path of the enemies of his work as he later on found out he said nothing more about building until september sixteenth the next day he wrote in his diary yesterday i spoke to a few on the subject and all seemed heartily glad one old chief said to me cease being angry now thinking i suppose my delay was occasioned by anger he assured me he would send his men to help this morning i went down to the raft at six a m but only one old man was there in a little time came two or three then a few more then two chiefs by about half-past six we mustered seven or eight workers on the raft though several more came and sat at their doors indian-like as though they wished only to look on this seemed greatly in contrast with their expressions to me yesterday but such is the indian i knew it was of no use to push so i patiently waited about seven o'clock one of the indians on the raft sprang to his feet gave the word for starting which is a peculiar kind of a whoop and he with the few so inadequate to do the work determined to begin at this i proceeded up the beach to the building site 
but what was my surprise when on returning i met upwards of forty indians carrying logs they all seemed to have moved in an instant and sprung to the work with one heart the enthusiasm they manifested was truly gladdening and almost alarming among the number were several old men who were doing more with their spirited looks and words than with their muscles the whole camp seemed now excited encouraging words and pleasant looks greeted me on every side every one seemed in earnest and the heavy blocks and beams began to move up the hill with amazing rapidity when the fort bell rang for breakfast they proposed to keep on one old man said he would not eat till the work was done however i did not think it good to sanction this enthusiasm so far but sent them off to their homes by three o'clock all was over for which i was very glad for the constant whooping groaning and bawling of the indians together with the difficulty of the work from the great weight of the pieces and the bad road kept me in constant fear within a few days the framework was in position and the work of finishing the school building and providing the schoolroom with the necessary desks and benches now proceeded as fast as could be expected mr duncan had intended to buy bark for the roof but the indians saying that the white chief's teaching-house ought to have a roof of boards insisted upon donating with a great deal of ceremony and show of good feeling the boards both for the floor and the roofing many who could not otherwise have contributed brought boards from their own houses and even planks which were part of their beds on november seventeenth when the school was first opened his former scholars all rushed eagerly to the new school whither they were called by blows on a triangle of steel used for a bell the attendance proved to be one hundred and forty children and fifty adults many more than he had ever expected or hoped to see there End of chapter 17